Welcome to KC Corner episode 127. It's officially October. Officially October. And, and Brooks, it got a little colder. I know. The hurricane just sucked all the heat away. It's been beautiful the last week. It has been beautiful. You know, obviously uh, the hurricane caused great damage and there's those who are who are struggling deeply. But a blessing for Central Florida Indians is uh, it certainly feels a little bit more like fall, doesn't it? It absolutely does. That maybe see some change in the leaves or something coming up here, a little foliage. <laughs> yeah, I think you're getting a little carried away there, my friend. So I know, that's okay. I know, sadly, so, but some good news from the from the hurricane. The guy that works for our company, I think I mentioned him last week. His parents live on Sanibel Island. They were able to right. get a satellite shot of their house and their neighborhood. There's a building right. still there. They have a roof, so that's at least a good start. Um, they haven't been able to get out to the island yet, but they at least have a have a home. It looks like. Well, praise God. And, you know, and they are, their lives are okay, right? I yeah. mean, that's first and foremost. But, you know, it's interesting, Brooks, because uh, some of those causeways heading out to the, those islands were just gone. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were washed away. Mm-hmm. So it's just incredible. Yeah. Incredible footage coming from there, my friend. Yeah, they're all all around Florida. There's crazy flooding and many people's lives have been affected. Um, you know, when you see that, it just makes you realize, OK, I didn't have power for a couple of days, but, yeah. you know, big deal compared to what was happening. That's for sure. Yeah. Some things went bad in the fridge, but some people had their homes. <laughs> so I think I think we made it out OK. We did, you know, and it's it's not good because I want to eat everything in the fridge. It's about to go bad. you know. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, but thankfully, my neighbor actually. This was the first storm that we've had. We haven't had a generator in a while. I, I gave it away. I wasn't sure it was going to be working anymore anyway. And the person I gave it to was able to fix it up. And apparently it worked great. But <laughs> my neighbor, he he he, uh, he sent me a line. He sent me over a uh, uh, extension cord. So I was able to at least keep a couple of refrigerators going in my garage. Which was there great. you go. There you go. You're, you're, you're ready to go. Yeah. Well, we can get into uh, what you meant. Absolutely. I I know you had a a couple things that you wanted to hit on from last week. Just thought it was an opportunity to jump into a theological issue. I know that our church is wrestling with a little bit, especially as Charlie's teaching his foundations class, which I keep hearing just fantastic things about. I know my family's loved it. I love the materials coming out of there. And I know some of the discussion it's going so well, Brooks, is that, you know, after class, there's those who are staying behind and talking about issues like one of the ones I'd love to talk about tonight. So let's jump in and just say that, uh, you know, when I outlined the sermon series on David, I really got excited to, to be able to push out of the first Samuel 30 of the story of the rescue uh, at Ziglag, you know, uh, and, and it's an amazing story in so many ways. It really sometimes in some ways shows us David like no other passage. I mean, David at rock bottom. I mean, David who comes back from raids and has everything that he owns is lost. Uh, His family is taken, you know, all of those with him, their families are taken. Uh, Things go from bad to worse when people are turning on him and the talk is, Hey, let's, let's kill our leader. Let's stone David. And, I love the fact that David, what does he do? I mean, the first thing he does is he just cries out to the Lord. I mean, uh, he's he's cried until he can cry no more. They've wept until there's no more strength. But he inquires of the Lord of what to do. And it's such a beautiful picture that, you know, even at rock bottom, if Christ is that rock, 
that we hit upon when we hit rock bottom, you know, we're safe. And so it's beautiful. And then, you know, him, him seeking God and saying, Hey, you know, Lord, should I go out after him? I mean, doesn't it seem like a no brainer to you, Brooks? I mean, doesn't yeah. that seem like that's the first thing you're going to do is like, uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of kind of got a William Wallace uh, picture, you know, we're going after him, you know, <laughs> we're going to put the war paint on it and here we go. But this man of God would say, Hey, I, I don't act apart from God's blessing and God's direction. And let me really seek the Lord. And the Lord gives him a great promise that he's going to go and he's going to be successful. So, and we see one of the things I love about that is nothing was lost Brooks. I mean, just think about that, that if, if it said, you know, gee, they lost the cattle or they got most of their family back or most of the men were able to be reunited with family. But God's amazing grace in this story is there wasn't anything missing. And, uh, you know, what a what a great reunion and, and what a great king who shared with those who were able to go into the fight, those who were too weary to go to the fight. Just a, It's just a great story. Is it not a great story, Brooks? Unbelievable story. And already, you know, through four weeks, we've seen all sorts of emotions from David, from defeating Goliath and that triumph and bravery and courage to him coming back and just weeping and his sadness of the whole, everything being desolated and stolen and, um, and be able to have the, peace of mind to go to Jesus and go to, go to God and think about like, okay, how should we go after these people? Do we track them down? Just weeping over the lost ones and figuring out what to do. Well, I think that's a great indication, Brooks, is you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there is that, you know, the Psalms that are so much of David's voice, uh, John Calvin would write that the Psalms contain the full range of human emotions. And the reason we relate to them so much is because, you have all of those you have from joy to, to a bitter sorrow all represented in the Psalms. And we see in David's life, a little bit of that we've been into this. Wow. He's had some amazing highs and he's had some amazing lows. And, you know, I think all of us can relate to that, but, but specifically with the story is, you know, you always love the story of rescue. And again, in God's providence, Brooks, to preach that sermon of basically search and rescue when it was going on in South Florida and it's still going on, mm-hmm. it kind of is a vivid reminder of, of just the urgency of a search and rescue. And what I, what I've been trying to do, and, and you know, this of me, Brooks, is that, you know, I'm trying to say, Hey, let's look at David's life, but really let's see Jesus in this and let's see where he casts the shadow that that points to Jesus, that is fulfilled in Jesus, and where he is a type of Christ. And in this story of rescue, you know, where I where I what I meant to say and where we went was, hey, Jesus uh, came on a rescue mission for sinners. Um, he came on a rescue mission for God's family. And it says that he didn't lose one. And and I love that. And I love that fact. You know, with David Brooks, um, uh, I'm sure they could count. Hey, they probably would say to everybody, has everybody got their family back? You know, they probably did a roll call. They probably did a, a head count. It was probably fairly easy once you got all the, the families together to say, is there anybody missing? And to say, no, man, we all got them. They're all here. Man, what rejoicing. But how does Jesus say that, that, that he's going to lose none? How does Jesus say, 
that all that the Father has given me will come. And, you know, there, there's, you know, <laughs> there's such success in that story. I mean, Jesus is going to say, I'm not going to lose one. I'm going to lay down my life for all. I'm going to receive them all. And yet we know that, you know, not everybody is saved. So what does Jesus mean when he says, you know, all that the Father has given me, I'm going to lose none. I mean, they're all going to come. And so there seems to be a specific number, you know, Brooks. I mean, there seems to be all that the Father has given to me. And then we look through time, we look through redemptive history, and there's clearly those who never come. I mean, there are those who are never saved. I mean, there are those who reject God, who reject Jesus. So who are those all? Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing is there, Brooks, uh, if it wasn't a group of people predetermined by the Father, if it's if it's people that choose on their own volition, if it's if if those who are saved uh, is left to man's choice, Jesus and the Father. I mean, do they know that none will be lost? I mean, um, is there that specific number? Jesus would never say all that the Father has given to me, and so. In this beautiful story, we see Jesus, and in Jesus's story of redemption, we see God's sovereignty over salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. I love that, Brooks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the Lord's idea. It's the Lord's execution. Uh, it's the Lord's for the Lord's glory. It's the it's it's all of the Lord. I mean, from start from to finish, from the beginning to the end, from the Alpha to the Omega, salvation is of God, and it's of God's grace, and it's about God's Son rescuing lost sinners, and the all include you and me, brother. And uh, you know, He hung on that cross for you and me. And this this really points to what Reformed theologians, what, what a Reformed church like King's Chapel would believe that Scripture clearly teaches, that before the foundation of time, before God even created anything, he set a particular love on his people, um, his own beloved people, those whom he foreordained, he predestined, those whom the Father, before time began. I love this picture, Brooks. It's it's before God created anything, this triune God entered into an agreement, the Father and the Son. It's it's called the covenant of redemption that, okay, Jesus, you're going to become a, a man. You're going to go and rescue them, and, and here are the ones you're going to go rescue. And Jesus will come and say, yep, I'm, I'm here to do my Father's work, and I'm not going to miss any. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Brooks, because even in the upper room when Jesus is uh, saying the last words to his disciples, he says something very interesting. He says, you know, I'm going to pray for you disciples, and I'm not just praying for you. I'm praying for all those who will come. But he says, I'm not going to pray for the world. I'm not going to pray for those who don't. And so there is a unique, specific, particular love that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have on their own. And when Jesus can yell out on the cross, it is finished. He knows that he has accomplished, not just provided away a possibility, but he has accomplished salvation for those whom the Father had given to him. 
and that resurrection would be the hope. And I know, Brooks, I gave you a book um, by Murray, uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. I mean, it just really points to that beautiful truth that it's all of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important parallel of it's when David got back and everything was gone from him. He didn't just pull himself up by the bootstraps and say, "Okay, we have to go track these guys down, make himself kind of a hero. He wept before and Jesus wept before he saved us. It kind of takes that humbling of yourself first and to see what you're supposed to do and get that insight. It's it's not just all about yourself. And Jesus didn't come down to be a political leader and to rule us all and to make it all about himself saving us. He was weeping over the lost ones. Um, and, and he was yeah. saving us. And I just love that Brooks. I mean, as I mentioned in my sermon, you, when Jesus was there at Lazarus tomb and he was weeping, it was a sign of love. Uh, when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and he's weeping, it's a sign of love. I mean, when you, when you weep over something you love, it just really shows how much you care. But David did weep until he didn't have any more power. But Jesus did more. He 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 bled, and mm-hmm. he would bleed and die for rescue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, and there's such parallels as David sought the Father's strength. So did Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. As David wept, so did Jesus weep. I mean, uh, you know, it's there's so many beautiful parallels in the story. But really what I wanted to come back on this this Casey Corner episode and say, but this shows particularly God's plan for salvation. And it is particular. And and uh, that God can say, I didn't lose any. And I know that there's still more to come. I mean, there's more that it will come into the kingdom, but that debt has already been paid. Jesus paid it all. So mm-hmm. it's just it's just a beautiful picture. Oh yeah. David, David uh, lived a great life and a a crazy life. And I'm glad to do a sermon series all about him and many parallels between him and Jesus. That's for sure. Yeah. And there's so many beautiful parallels, but also uh, again, when we look deeply, uh, I I love the fact none were lost, none were lost for David. And that is in an earthly sense, but none will be lost. You know, heaven, when we get to the end of the story, when the last act, of this great drama that God is is orchestrating is over. And when the curtain falls, you know, there's going to be no empty seats and there's going to be no, uh, you know, no void. And there's going to be no places that were supposed to be filled by loved ones. All the family is there. And, you know, I know that you had lunch with or dinner tonight with your beloved grandma and grandpa and uh, what a beloved couple they are. And, there's something special about family and there's something special about having everybody present. And because of what Christ has done, he won't miss any. And for great friends like uh, Bill Chapman, who makes great uh, shepherd's pie <laughs> and brings it over. Yeah. That's pretty nice. You know, Bill Chapman does about everything. That guy yeah. is absolutely amazing. Shepherd's, so. pro- shepherd's pie, coleslaw, cornbread, and some apple pie tonight. It was unbelievable. Oh my gosh. You know, an apple pie, by the way, be a, be a good upstate New Yorker, forget the ice cream, put on it a very sharp piece of cheddar cheese. It'll set you free, bro. It will set you free. It is, it is so good. So before, before we started recording, you talked about how you put applesauce and cottage cheese on your shepherd's pie. And now you put cheese, cheese slices on your <laughs> apple pie. I mean, what's going well, on well, here? Well, well, let me tell you, I didn't say I put it on my shepherd's pie. I okay. say I like to have it with my shepherd's okay. pie. Okay, that's, that's different. But you that's know what? Different. 
but 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 at the same time, I probably do mix it all together. Yeah, it all, it, all, it all goes to the same place. Yeah, exactly, and it is it is tasty. So and I love it. So, but let me let me close this one thing about what I meant to say because I think there was a lot there, and and just say again to to those listening in Casey Cornerland, um, look at in scripture that it might be uncomfortable to some, but once you examine it um, through the lens of, of the sovereignty of God and that salvation is of the Lord, we're going to see things like predestination. We're going to see things like, you know, that, that God is the one who has drawn to himself. You know, um, Jesus will say, no one will come unless the father draws him. And again, I'm not going to lose any. And, and that's not something that that's, that's a distinctive of King's Chapel. I mean, some churches, don't preach that distinctive, but that's a distinctive that's very, to me, biblical. And that's something. And so, you know, as a preacher, and I'm preaching on on uh, David and, and what was destroyed in Ziglag and how he and his men went and got it. And there's so many great things to learn in that story. But again, um, I, I cannot preach that message without pointing to the fact that our God is a God who rescues and our God is a God who misses none. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Yeah. yeah. If, it was, if it was up to us and only up to us, no one, no one would be saved. We all fall very, very short and are very, very broken. Well, it's so true. And you know what you're saying with that Brooks is if it was up to us, if it was up to us and scripture says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, a dead man would never choose anything. A dead man is not able to do anything. If it was up to us, and I think it all goes to that. What did our sin do to us? Did it did it somehow debilitate us or did it cripple us? Did it allow us not to be able even to move toward God apart from his grace? And again, that's where you get into this beautiful reform theology of total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. That's kind of the tulip or the solas that really magnify what the Bible teaches about salvation. So anyway, hey, Jesus rescued them all. And you and I, we're a part of the number that were rescued. Why? I don't know. It's all God's grace. But man, it just makes me sing his praises even more. It's beautiful. Absolutely. So look into... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to, I was jumping the gun on you. And so uh, I was gonna say, you let know, me transition for you. Look into part thank you. five for uh, the next part of the sermon series of David's life, what we have to look forward to. Well, th- we really could have started here because this one is going to be David, the King of promise. And it's going to look at second Samuel chapter seven, which is famous for what, what would be called the covenant that the Lord makes with David and his household. It's the promise that God makes that he is going to bring through David's line a kingdom that will have no end. That God himself is the one who's going to establish David's household. He's not, David's not going to the one who's going to be able to build a place for God. God's the one who's going to build a, a kingdom through David, ultimately for him. But, but here's, here's my point. Here's what I hope, Brooks, is that you know when you look at this story, it could feel like history. And, you know, in history class, some people love history. Um, I think of one of our faithful listeners, Grace, uh, up in Tennessee. She's a big history buff, and she'll love a sermon just for history. But the if if the sermon is just history, it's let's just try to maybe be entertained. 
and, mm-hmm. and with this. But this is Brooks, the promise made so long ago to David is the kingdom that Jesus says that you and I are to seek first. So it's not just a history story out there. It's a reality that when Jesus came and announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this this is for us. This is for you and me. And so this is kind of like going back and watching as Americans the signing of the Declaration of Independence or or seeing one of the battles of the Revolutionary War where you realize, hey, this was done, this was fought so that we can enjoy what we have now. And, and we're going to look back and say, this is a promise that really is so unfolded in the New Testament that, um, that that's what they all got excited for. This is a, the kingdom is here. But typical, you know, with Jesus, typical with God's kingdom, it's different than what people thought. So I'll leave them there. What's different? And how do we become a part of that kingdom? So all that to say, it could feel like an old ancient sermon, like, you know, hey, we're going to talk about a promise God made to a guy named David a long time ago. No, no, no. This is a kingdom that we should be seeking first. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the hope for Sunday. Yeah. Don't want to give it all away either. You got to show up Sunday. Yeah, I'm pretty close, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited to preach it. And, uh, you know, um, as, I'm, as I'm reading through uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Shorter Catechism, I'm just reminded that, you know, uh, how, to, to preach God's word, it needs to be empowered by God's spirit. And, uh, you know, no matter how much I dig and no matter, um, you know, the insights that I could give, may God's Holy Spirit do that, which only he could do and make his word come alive. And what, what oftentimes theologians say, make the word effectual, make it effective to salvation in our lives. So that's always our hope and prayer, Brooks. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk about our uh, guest next week, or do we want to keep it a secret? Ah, uh, cannot wait. Yeah, no, yeah, let's talk about it. It's going to be uh, David Swanson. David Swanson, uh, a friend of mine, a, a man I admire so much. He's he's pastor of First Pres uh, Orlando downtown. Um, you know, he's a part of uh, the EPC denomination, and as a matter of fact, that church is the largest EPC church in that denomination, and. Uh, we're going to go back and we're going to talk to him about what we've been talking uh, with Richard Pratt and Tom Argersinger and, and others of, you know, again, the, the church's role in our culture today. So can't wait for that. That's going to be a good one, bro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going on site, interviewing him in person. It'll be great. Yeah, hopefully they'll let us on campus at, uh, you know, at First Pres Orlando. Hopefully mm-hmm. they, you know, put our pictures up there like do not disturb or you know <laughs> strolling in so, with uh, three mics and a computer and a bunch of stuff yeah so. who are these guys this will, <laughs> this will be great so hey and and uh can, you want to transition to do some you want to do the it. transition yeah. Me too. yeah no okay. go, go for it so so really some important king's chapel updates uh, just a reminder if you are a member who, who's been coming to church don't forget we're doing a food drive uh, a thanksgiving drive um this month and you know, just a great opportunity to, to be partnering with the Sharing Center, one of our ministry partners, uh, as well as um, um, you just try to be a blessing to our community. But this Friday, this Friday night is our first first Friday fellowship. And Brooks, I'm going to ask you, text your your KC group. You know, I know that we're not doing that. I'd love to get some young people there. Um, I'd love to have a, a great turnout. This is just going to be pure fellowship and the body of Christ trying to get together. So that's this Friday. This upcoming Sunday, we're going to have another opportunity to get together after church 
uh, with our KC family luncheon. We're also uh, receiving new members this Sunday. I'm so excited. Uh, one will be out of town, but we got a, We got like nine people joining on Sunday, which is uh, so exciting and fantastic. And uh, yeah, another big day. We're going to have obviously our uh, KC in the AM and we're going to have our KC Common Ground. So uh, a lot planned for Sunday, a lot planned for Friday. It should be a big weekend. And I'd love for people to come. I know Friday nights you might be tired and think, ah, should I go or not go? Um, let me just say, it's going to be better for everyone to be there. It'll be great. Yeah, come out to the Talbys. We'll eat some good food and hang out. And then uh, yeah. come, and, come and drink some coffee with us before the service. There you go. Perfect. You know, we're going to have Four Rivers, by the way. If you don't come for anything else, come for Four Rivers, right? Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. A little pulled chicken, pulled pork. It'll be great. It'll be good stuff. I'm not sure it's going to be as good as Bill's pot pie. Shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. Shepherd's, Shepherd's pie. pie. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's good stuff i still think his ribs are the best so oh yeah anyway yeah, they just they they fall right off the bone it's incredible yeah, they are and it's incredible <laughs> um is there anything else that you could think of brooks i think that's it um all right my, my my dear brother thank you so much yes sir we'll see you guys sunday blessings everybody <laughs>